Hey, this is Dustin, one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to listen to one of our sermons. We hope that this sermon encourages you, inspires you, and compels you towards a closer walk with Jesus and one another. If you would like to learn more about Grace Bible Church, contact us or partner with us financially, you can connect with us at www.gbc.life. Welcome to our church family. We hope that you enjoy the message. Okay, so what's up, Grace Bible? Yeah. To all y'all watching online, hello, welcome to GBC. I'm so glad that you tuned in. We'd, we'd love to have you here in person with us whenever you feel comfortable to do that. It's good to see so many faces here this morning. And uh, Happy New Year. Uh, are you running full speed into 2021? Yeah, I sense the enthusiasm, right? Yeah, just in case somebody didn't tell you, like 2021 is just a turn of a page in the calendar. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're gonna, uh, we need to approach it with greater intentionality, greater worship, greater surrender than we ever had before. And I tell you, 2021 can be the greatest year that you've ever had in your life. And it's going to have to happen from the inside out. It ain't going to happen from the outside in. I read the end of the book, and it gets worse before it gets any better. So, <laughs> so that's why I get up here every weekend to help kind of change your mind about the way we look at the Word of God, about the way we look at the world. And I'm hoping that we learn to see the world through the lens of the Word of God so that we can truly live an abundant life um, that is tethered to Christ Jesus. Uh, I, I'm excited to, every year to get to see that Abide video. Um, every year we have pastors from the community that are part of the Abide family shoot that video. But this year we got some uh, members of the churches of the Abide community. If, if you're brand new to Grace Bible or brand new to the Heartland area, here's the deal. Like, um, over the last five to six years, God has continued to create just, just a, a brotherhood of churches here in the heartland, um, of, across denominational lines, across racial lines. Um, and so we've started fasting and praying, 15 churches right here in the heartland, fasting and praying together uh, every January. Um, and worshiping together, and, and even we, we preach for each other throughout the years. As a matter of fact, Pastor Cameron, who preached last weekend, is preaching at another Abide Church this weekend because the pastor had to be out due to sickness. Like, that's the kind of brotherhood we have in this community, and it's awesome. Like, this is rare and unique. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced anything like this before outside of this community. I, I'm, I'm well-traveled, and I haven't. This is really sweet. Um, and so we're going to immerse ourselves again into this season of fasting and prayer starting on January 11th, which all, always inconveniently lands on the day of the national championship. And I end up sitting there eating carrots instead of pigs in a blanket. You know, it's like, <laughs> I got to think this through better next time. So anyways, now that's not a point. No, fasting and prayer is, a, it, it is, a, I'm glad y'all thought that was funny. Thank you. Hopefully somebody's laughing at home too. I got like four on the front row that thought that was cute. Um, Fasting and prayer is an individual journey between you and God. Don't make the mistake of looking at this thing that we do on, to the tune of thousands of people in the heartland. Don't look at it as something we are doing um, as a group, even though we are. This is about you and God. Fasting and prayer is always a, is about you and God. It, my fasting and my prayer can't do anything for you. We are doing it together, but we are doing it as individuals. And so we're going to talk about that over these next couple of weeks so we prepare our hearts and begin to shape ourselves and lean in the direction of biblical prayer and biblical fasting over those 21 days. Now let, let me give you a couple of the mechanics of it. It's going to look a little bit different this year. We do shape it up kind of event-like because there are a lot of moving parts and we do have different offerings throughout the 21 days to just really fan the flame of your heart. This has been a strange year uh, to say the least. And so we're going to make Abide 21 strange too. 
Um, just because it's just too complicated to try to coordinate uh, large gatherings of people. Some of y'all been to our night of worship before. We had 1,300 people from 15 churches stuffed into this room right here. Obviously, that ain't going to work, okay? Um, so what we're going to do this year, like the mechanics, I'll remind you again next weekend, <clears throat> um, we, we will be offering a devotional book. We've had professionally printed a devotional book that was provided by some of our local pastors. They're just leading you through Acts chapter 1 through 9. And each day kind of has actually the same questions each day for you to reflect over that passage with and your personal quiet time. But you'll get a physical copy of the book next week if you want one. You can always get it online. You can even today get on Abide21.com and you can see as things are starting to shape up. We'll have that finalized by next week. Um, we typically do a night of worship on one of the Sunday nights and a night of prayer on another Sunday night. Um, this year we're going to do a night of prayer and worship. We're not going to gather in any of the church buildings. We're going to gather in downtown Sebring for a night of prayer and worship. All one community will be outdoors, and that will happen next Sunday night, the 10th. Um, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's at 3 or 4 in the afternoon. Mary Beth will tell you at the end, so be listening for that. It'll be in the afternoon so you can still get home before the sun goes down, which my Pentecostals hate. They hate when we put endings to worship services. But we want people to be able to drive home. Yeah, some of y'all just got that joke, man. My Pentecostal brothers and sisters out there, they're like, why would you put an end time on a worship service? Well, some people have to hire babysitters, and some people don't want to drive home in the dark. That's why, okay? Um, but we'll do that next Sunday night. We'll kick it off with a night of prayer and worship. Um, typically, we have prayer gatherings every morning at 6.30 a.m. all throughout the heartland. Um, what we realized is that the church is learning to be the church, and there is actually more unofficial gatherings that we didn't have listed on our website than there were official gatherings that the pastors kind of coordinate. And so we decided, you know, on a year like this, beings that were going through the book of Acts, why don't we be the grassroots church on mission in the community that God placed us in? And instead of having people specifically meet at Papa John's or the hospital or the downtown circle, we invite people to look around them and gather for those 21 days in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening, whenever it works, gather for those 21 days and have an intentional time of prayer with the people that God has already placed around you. In your neighborhood, in your household, at your workplace, at your shift change, it's already happening to the tunes of hundreds of people. So we decided, let's just get on the wave of what God is already doing. And you gather where God has showed you to gather. Where he's already assembled a people around you. Oh, your mission field. Gather with those folks and pray intentionally for 21 days. Of course, we'll gather on Sundays. We'll be going through the book of Acts over the next few months together just to look at the, the explosion of the spirit-filled New Testament church. And um, so that, that's kind of the overview of Abide 21 this year. We'll talk about it again next weekend, and then we kick it off next Monday. I'm talking about prayer today, fasting next weekend. But just begin praying about what the Lord would have you fast during those 21 days. And I'll, I'll teach more specifically about that next weekend. But today we'll talk about prayer. If you have your Bible, flip on over to Exodus chapter 30. We're going way back. Way back in the story of God, because I want to go to... One of the first places that God specifically teaches his people about prayer. Now, while you're making your way over there, um, 2021 is going to make you a whole lot of promises just like 2020 did. And if you haven't learned, the promises that the world is going to offer you will always over-promise and under-deliver. Okay, that's why you keep getting disappointed. Me too. 
2021 is going to promise you that if you buy this, if you wear that, if you do this thing, if you don't do this thing, that you're going to be more enriched, more empowered, more satisfied. Just as your pastor and friend, let me go ahead and let the cat out of the bag for you. While those things may cultivate a better state of living for you, some of those things are good for us to do or to not do. Uh, Let me just be the one to remind you, there's a constant restlessness and dissatisfaction inside of us if we try to find our satisfaction and peace and rest in any of those things. If you haven't noticed it throughout your lifetime, let me just point it out for you. The only way for your soul to truly be satisfied is for you to be in regular communion with the satisfier of your soul. And it's a person, and his name is Jesus. And he comes free of charge. He already paid the price so that we could be in regular communion with him. And I can tell you, just as a measuring stick for you, like the intimacy of your relationship with God will be a direct reflection of the consistency in your prayer life. And I'm talking about real biblical prayer, real sincere, intimate, personal prayer. I'll say it for you again because I want you to hear it. The intimacy of your relationship with God will be a direct reflection of the consistency of your prayer life with him. This is what we're going to be talking about today. Prayer. Because of all the promises 2021 is going to make you, there's only one that's going to come with a guarantee, and it's the one that I'm giving you right now. Prayer is the only one that's going to come with a guarantee. And here's the guarantee that prayer comes with. Yes, either prayer to God will change your situation or it will change you. Either way, you're better off than where you started. That's the, that's the guarantee. Chances are it'll do both. It may change your circumstance, whatever it is that you're praying for, but it's also going to change you in the process when you learn how to pray to God the way that he's taught us to pray. There's going to be a transformation happening, happening in you. So sure, God may change the thing you're praying about, but I guarantee he changes you in the process. And while the thing may not change at all, the way you see the thing will definitely change. You hear what I'm saying? Is anybody listening? I'm preaching myself. I hope somebody online is listening out there. Are y'all here this morning? Are you listening to me? Look, I want you to hear the voice of God this morning. This is stuff God's dealing with me about. This isn't me trying to teach you how to do things the way I do them. This is me preaching to me, and y'all just get to listen in. Man, I struggle in the area of prayer. I pray all the time, not because I'm a pastor, just because I know that, like, God is my lifeline. I'm constantly praying. I'm constantly talking to him. But, like, I struggle in the area of, like, biblical, intimate, and sincere prayer. Now, I don't struggle when things are tough because I, I get on my knees quick then. But like when, things, when I'm just kind of going through the motions of life, like, man, I'm praying constantly, but most of my prayers end up, my mind drifts off into something else, you know? Like I'll be praying about one thing, and then I start thinking about another thing. I've got like one foot in, one foot out. And this, this call to pray in our life is one that God has given us this gift of prayer that we could commune with him. Have you, have you even considered the gift of prayer that we, humanity, gets to commune and speak with God, the creator of all things? How much more should we be coming to his feet? How much more should we retreat to the feet of the Father? Because we're getting to connect with the creator of heaven and earth. And as if the promise that prayer will either change things or change you is not enough for you, maybe this will motivate you towards the... When you pull up a chair 
to the corner of the throne of majesty. It disrupts hell's strategy for your life. You hear what I'm saying? Every time you pull up a chair to the corner of the seat of majesty, God's throne, it disrupts the strategy of hell for your life. So I would, here's my encouragement to you is do it all the time. Be there regularly, be there often, be there systematically, be there intentionally, be there with your wife, be there with your children, be there with your employees. Step into the arms of the Father. Prayer. Life-changing, transforming prayer. Charles Spurgeon put it like this. He said, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It's far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Charles Spurgeon. That's why it's powerful. That's why it disrupts hell's strategy. That's why it delivers on a level that no other promise that the world has can deliver on. Because it is you tethering yourself in communion with the creator of heaven and earth. One that is, by the way, intimately and madly in love with you. Who longs to hear from you. Who, who will stop whatever he's doing to hear the voice of his children. Now, we, we hardly set aside things for him. I'll be in the middle of talking to him and be thinking about something totally different. I'm too busy. I got too much to do. But God will stop everything. Just to hear the voice of his children crying out to him. And oh, he loves the sound of your voice. He loves to commune with you. And yes, he is hearing you. And yes, he is feeling what you're feeling. And yes, he is responding. You may just not be seeing it yet, but he is all up in the business, whether you like it or not. That was a promise. I'll never leave you nor forsake you when you want me there. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you when you don't want me there. He's there, all up in your business. Are y'all catching a picture this morning? I'm thinking like two people are listening that day. Man, God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray before I come up here, I want, I want you to hear the voice of God. I want your adoration and your affection to be stirred up for him. I want him to give you an ear to hear the voice of the king today. Man, I can tell you, he's talking. He's got something to say to you. He wants to invite you into a more sincere and intimate prayer life because it will change your whole life. Um, now, just a few weeks ago, some of y'all may remember, and even a few weeks before that, like we've done some teaching on prayer this past year. Um, the, the most recent teaching we did a few weeks ago on prayers, we looked at Jesus's prayer, um, the one that he modeled for us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Some of you may remember that prayer. Some of you have recited it much in your life. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about the the backdrop to that prayer, this wasn't Jesus like telling us what to pray. This was Jesus showing us how to pray. He even said as much. Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus is showing us how to pray, it's kind of a, it, it, it's the articulation of what, what Jesus, how Jesus responded to his disciples when his disciples in Luke, in the book of Luke, asked Jesus. They said, hey, uh, you're going to have to show us how to pray. We never heard anybody pray like you before. It's like when you talk to God, it's like you're talking to somebody you know, like a friend, like a father. Would you show us how to pray? And Jesus said these words, this then is how you should pray. This is how I do it. And he starts with our Father who art in heaven. And we, we parsed that out. We looked at the picture of, of what the mechanics 
of like Jesus teaching us how to pray looked like. And then we summed it up. Some of y'all have heard of this thing before. We summed it up in this little memorable way that you could take it away, the, the Acts prayer, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's a great little prayer strategy to kind of rhythm your prayers in a healthy and beneficial way while you're keeping your focus on the main thing, A-C-T-S. You can go back and watch that sermon at another time if you like. Today we're going to talk about prayer, but we're actually going to flip the coin over and look at the other side of prayer. The side of prayer that oftentimes isn't talked about, and quite honestly, in our personal prayer lives, we spend more time ignoring than we do immersing ourselves in, and the reason is, is because it's uncomfortable And it's invasive, and we're just not interested in doing this side of prayer. But God teaches us that this is part of the prayer life. And he started by teaching the people of God in ancient Israel this very strategy of praying to him so that God could do a greater work in them than they ever thought possible or could ask or imagine. Now, it's, it, this is necessary, Grace Bible, for us to flip the coin of prayer over and look at the side that we don't like because if you've checked out, check back in. Because due to a cultural lack of intimacy with God, and by the way, that's in the church, outside of the church, everywhere, due, a, due to a cultural lack of intimacy with God, and a cultural lack of understanding of God, we have been convinced and we are under the grand illusion, listen to me now, this is going to rock somebody's world. We have been convinced and we are under the grand illusion that this ultimate goal to be gained is if we pray with enough faith that we can arm wrestle a yes out of God. If we pray with enough people of faith, where are my prayer warriors at? We can arm wrestle a yes out of God. As if we had enough faith and the people around us had enough faith that we could persuade God to do what it is that we want him to do. Now, don't get me wrong. God hears your prayers. God is responding to your prayers. God is answering those prayers. He's oftentimes packaging them in packages that you would not expect, but he is always on the move in your life. But let me flip the coin on the other side and give you a clear biblical picture of the highest ascent of our faith in prayer life. It's not that we would get to a point in our faith that we have gained the authority that we can arm wrestle a yes out of God. It's that we would grow to a place in our maturity that we have the humility to endure a no or a wait from God. You catch the difference? This is why so many people fall from the faith. They've been told that, well, if you have enough faith, you can move mountains. God has to do what you want if you believe hard enough. If you get another group of enough people around you that believe hard enough what you want, then God's going to see it your way. No. He is in heaven, Solomon said, and I am on earth, so let my words be few. The highest ascent and the maturity of our faith and our prayer life is not that we would get to the place of having the authority to arm wrestle a yes out of God, but to a place where we have the humility to endure a no or a wait. And yet it doesn't affect our trust in him. That's the goal. 
That's what a mature prayer life looks like. That kind of prayer life can move mountains. And so God shows them a picture of what that looks like. All the way back in Exodus chapter 30. I promise I'm going to get there. I'm trying to set up the framework so we're looking through the right lenses. God gives us a picture of what that looks like in Exodus. But this is just the beginning of him like showing us through his word this, this principal truth of growing to a point of praying the way God designed for us to pray, but yet at the same time having the humility to accept his response and trust him the same anyway. This is why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Notice that that passage doesn't say convince the Lord with all your heart so that he may gain an understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. That's why Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, you make that your priority, he'll take care of everything lesser. You catching the picture? That's what our prayer lives were meant to be like. They were meant to look like. And as we begin to transition into looking at Exodus chapter 30, I need to explain a big cultural difference so we don't miss the whole analogy here. In our culture here in the 21st century, American church, we believe that God hears our prayers. We speak of it in that way when we speak, God listens. Like We believe that he has ears to hear our prayers. But like in the ancient context of Middle Eastern Israel, they believed not that God heard their prayers, but that God smelled their prayers. This is why the psalmist said in Psalm 141 that may my prayers be set before you like incense. This is why even the apostle Paul said to us, he's kind of alluding back to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, that for those that are in Christ, we are to God the aroma of Christ Jesus. You know what that reminds me? Even as a new covenant, person that has been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ who's not, no longer under the law, that reminds me that if I'm the aroma of Christ to God, that my prayers are an enjoyable scent to God because they have the scent of his son when I pray to him. You wanna talk about your prayers having power? It's because they smell like Jesus when they get there. When God gives us these ingredients on how we are to pray, it's on the other side of the coin, and this is the uncomfortable part. He gives us ingredients on how to pray by telling the people of ancient Israel, this is how I want you to prepare your incense for me. And he gives them some of these specific ingredients, some of which you'll be familiar with, but stay tuned. I want to make sure, I'm going to draw the parallels of what these ingredients mean in our 21st century context and in our prayer life. This is what God tells the people of ancient Israel when he begins. Now, there have been plenty of prayers before this point, but God is teaching them how to, how to properly worship him. And when he's teaching them how to pray to him, he's teaching them how to make incense. Because remember, they believed that God smelled their prayer, so incense was a part of that. And th- this is what... The Lord said, the Lord says to Moses, I want you to take sweet spices. I want you to take stacti, probably saying that wrong. I have no idea how to say that word. Onica, say onica. Probably said that wrong too, but so did you. Galbanum, say that, galbanum. 
and the sweet spices with pure frankincense. You've heard of that one before. Say frankincense. I want each of these, I want you to take, and you need to underline this in your Bible, I want you to take an equal part. Pay close attention. An equal part, and you're going to make an incense blended as by the perfumer. Man, this stuff's going to be good. You're going to season it with salt, which is kind of metaphoric for us. In their time, salt was something that meant covenant. It meant relationship. It meant a bond. You're going to season your prayers with the covenant that we have, the relationship that we share, and it's going to be pure and holy. Now, you're going to beat some of it into, uh, some of it very small, and you're going to put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting, listen close, where I shall meet with you. Because I'm going to meet with you in these prayers. It shall be most holy for you. In other words, this incense you shall make according to its composition, but you should not make it for yourselves. You're not going to put it in your house because it smells good so that other people can come and enjoy how nice this incense smells. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. This is just for me. This is just between me and you, God says. And he gives us these four ingredients that he tells us need to be offered in equal proportion to one another. Now, hang in there with me. I'm going to rearrange these ingredients so that it makes more sense to our minds. And since all four of equal proportion, I'm going to start with the one that you're probably most familiar with, at least as it pertains to how your prayer life works. Let's start out with that one, galbanum. Say galbanum. What galbanum is, is you guys actually, you're very familiar with galbanum. Some of y'all made the mistake of parking your car underneath a pine tree and it dripped galbanum all all over it. Some of y'all were cutting the grass and you actually grabbed a hold of the pine tree when you were walking by, and then you got galbanum all over your hand. It's hard to get out of your clothes. What am I talking about? Tree sap. That's what galbanum is, and it comes from pine trees. You know how you get galbanum out? Anytime the wind blows, anytime the weather is less than comfortable for that tree, anytime that tree comes under any pressure whatsoever, the galbanum just starts oozing out. The first ingredient of your prayer life is oftentimes the last ingredient that we include. And that's when the winds of life are blowing and shifting, when we come under pressure, when the temperature of life isn't just perfect. This is the stuff that just oozes out of us naturally, and it drips all over everything. And if you're not careful about how you contain it, you're going to get it on stuff that you can't get out. So, so God says, bring it to me first as a part of your prayer life, because I know that's what's at the top of your mind. That's probably what prompted you to pray, is because you're having a hard time with that coworker, that that sibling, that that friend, that neighbor. So like, as your tree is swaying and that stuff is oozing out, I want you to bring it before me, Galbanum, the first ingredient of prayer. That one's easy. Problem is, most of us start and stop our prayers with Galbanum. Most of our prayer lives only consist of that, right? God need, God I need, God I want, God I want, God please help, God please help, Amen. Galbanum. It's an important part of the ingredient, but remember we just read in there each one of these ingredients needs to be equal. So we can't start and stop with galbanum. We can't just bring those easy oozings of our life to God and just stop there. No, there's more work to be done. I told you this is the other side of the coin of prayer, and we're about to get into it right now. Most 
teaching on prayer, most of what we read about prayer, most of what you hear about prayer is really about how you articulate what you need to say, the kind of things to pray about, the kind of things to think about. Most of it has to do with what we're saying to God. But if you haven't noticed, prayer is as much a, as much a part of him communicating with us as it is us communicating with him. And this is when we get into the next part of that discussion, Onica. Onica. Now, what in the world is that? Here's how you find Onica. You have to dive pretty deep into the ocean, and there's these sea snails that dwell on the bottom. And when you go for a deep dive and you grab these sea snails, the Onica is actually the hardened inner lining of their shell that you have to scrape out. That's Onica. Ingredient number one was that tree sap. Ingredient number two, the hardened inner lining of the shell of a sea snail. You know what this tells me in our prayer life is like God doesn't just want you to stop at your tree sap moments in your prayer with him. He wants you to hang around for a minute because he's got something to say to you. You just brought to God all the things in your world and in your life that didn't look like what you wanted to look like. Well, he wants you to hang around for a minute so he can reveal to you the things in your life that don't look like Jesus. The hardened inner lining of the sea snail that takes a deep dive to get. He's talking about this hardened inner lining of sin in our lives. You know, the kind of stuff that we don't want to hang around in our prayer lives because we don't want God to bring that stuff because we prefer just ignore our issues and just point out everybody else's. Galbanum's a lot more fun. But if you hang around for just a minute, the Lord says, I have something to say to you too. I've committed in covenant with you, O Christian, that I'm going to shape you into the likeness of Christ Jesus. And there's some hardened inner lining. I've forgiven the sin. I've made you whole. I've made you right with me. But there's still some remaining sin issues in your life, isn't there? Some stuff that we just kind of hang on to because we like it. And it's a hardened inner lining inside of us. And he says, hang around for a minute in your prayers. I've got something to say to you. I've identified some things that don't look like Jesus. And I've made a promise to you that I'm going to shape you. And I'm going to clean you. And I'm going to make you into the image of Christ Jesus. So let me just... Let me get to scraping a little bit. This is uncomfortable. But I tell you, that's where true freedom from sin comes from. It's when we listen for the voice of the Father and we let him point out, the, point out the things in us that quite honestly are easy to ignore. That we don't want to see a sin in our life. That, well, everybody else's is so much worse than mine in that area. So that's not a bit. We're talking about being shaped into the likeness of Christ, not somebody else. He wants to do a work, a transforming work in our lives. So hang around for a minute in your prayers. Don't stop at Galbanum. Oh, yeah, and by the way, don't stop at the Onica either because there's still a deeper work to be done. Things are really starting to get uncomfortable now. As if him addressing and bringing conviction into our heart and into our lives pertaining to those sin issues. Like he says, hang around a little bit longer. There's yet a third ingredient that I want you to bring equally as proportional to that one that you like, the Galbanum. I also want you to bring ingredient number three, the gum resin or the myrrh. I think my Bible calls it stacti. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But it's myrrh. You heard of myrrh before? Where have you heard of myrrh? I give, yeah, I'll give you a hint. Like it was just Christmas season and the wise men brought gold and there you go. Myrrh. Where do you get myrrh from? Let's go back to the tree we were talking about earlier. 
that same kind of pine tree with a sap, that galbanum that just kind of oozes out anytime the wind blows. It'll be dripping all over the place. The myrrh's not quite as easy to identify, and it don't come out on its own. Myrrh is that same kind of pine tree sap that actually exists in the middle of the tree and is dried out and hardened over time. The only way to get to it is you got to go in after it. Myrrh. Stacti. And you know, like, in order to get this myrrh out of the tree, you have to go into the tree. And I'll be honest with you, it hurts the tree. You can't do that kind of deep dive into your soul to bring out the things that have been stuffed in there for so long. They used to just easily ooze out, but now they've been kind of in the center of who you are for so long that they just kind of dried up and hardened. You don't even think about them much anymore. You just kind of suppressed it down so far because you'd rather not talk about it. You'd rather not think about it. But every once in a while when you hear that right song, you start to feel that feeling again. Or when you see that person, you start to feel that bitterness creep up in you again. Like myrrh that's on the deep insides of who you are that you honestly don't pay any attention to unless the climate is just right, and then you feel all the pain all over again, myrrh. And so God says, I want you to bring an equal proportion. Hey, don't, don't just leave with the Galbanum and Onica because there's something else I have to say to you too. Like, hang around for just a minute because I want to do a deep dive. And I want to go into the places of you that you have long forgotten about, that have caused you so much unrest and anxiety and hatred and fear and unforgiveness because you have forgotten what is causing those things. They've been inside you so long and they've dried up, but I'm going in after them. And in your prayers, I want you to hang around for just a few more minutes because I want to continually chip away at getting that myrrh out of the core of who you are. Because remember, I promised I was going to shape you into the likeness of Christ Jesus. And I want you to experience real peace. I want you to experience real rest, and this is how we're going to get there. Now, some of you that have seen a therapist in your life, a counselor, I mean, you get how this works. It's more painful up front because you're having to come face to face with some things you had either forgotten about or didn't want to think about anymore. But if you want to experience real freedom and real healing, you've got to dive in and dig those things up, don't you? And you've got to stare at them face to face and God says, I want you to bring those to me in equal proportion as everything else as an offering of prayer. This is the incense I want. This is what smells good to me. And last but not least, y'all have heard of this before, frankincense. Ingredient number four of equal proportion. Bring some frankincense with you too. You're kind of, kind of like this one because this goes along with the other type of prayer we've been teaching on. Frankincense, you guys know when, um, have you ever watched like when there's a transition of a pope? And you sit there all day, you know, and they got it on TV all day, and the chimney's puffing black smoke all day or gray smoke. And then when they finally vote or they finally pick who the next pope's going to be, what happens to that gray smoke? It turns what color? You know why it turns white? Because they threw frankincense on the fire. And so this reminder, this is an ingredient that God wants us to bring to our prayer lives. This is one that we really like because frankincense is a visible reminder that prayer actually works. I told you back in the beginning, like, be reminded, like, prayer is maybe the only promise that you can cling to in 2021, because it's the only thing that comes with a guarantee. Your intimate, sincere, right-hearted prayers and communion with God 
will yield results. It will either change your stuff or it will change you or it might do both. But something's going to happen. Frankincense. It's the visible reminder that God is all up in the business and prayer does work. You catching the picture? This is the other side of prayer. This is the side of prayer that invites us to listen to God. To hear the voice of our king. This isn't the kind of prayer that we hear much about, that we know well, that we read about, where we just come to God and we talk, talk, talk about this, that, and this, and that. This is the kind of prayer where we stop talking and we create a void, a space for the king of glory to step in. And to do what he has always promised to do. To shape you into the likeness of Christ to set you free from your sins, to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And this is how we get there. You catching the picture? Pull up a seat to the edge of the throne of mercy. Step into the arms of your father. Be near to the lover of your soul. Listen for the voice of your king. Let's pray. Lord, I confess I struggle with this one. I like to do the talking and then exit the conversation with you before you say anything because I really don't want to hear it. It makes me uncomfortable. It's too invasive. I don't want to have to stare into the face of my faults or my sins or my insecurities. I'd rather just move on. God, I confess that to you, and I confess that I'm going to need the power of your Holy Spirit in me to still my heart, to give me a longing to commune with the Father in that kind of way, to open up myself and my hurt to be transparent and vulnerable with the King of Heaven. And God, I do cling to the fact that you're going to continue to shape us into your likeness for those that are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this reminder even to ancient Israel that applies to us today, many, many years later, God, that we are just part of the prayer. One part talking, three parts listening. God, give us ears to hear. Have your way in us. Glory to God in the highest. We thank you for your son, Jesus.